fried chicken, Yay. fried Twinkies, mm. fried Mars bars. Mm-hmm. What do all these things have in common? Diabetes. Well, okay, but they also have state My fairs. My aunt? Um, <laughs> state fairs? Okay, your aunt. Um, I want to go back to that one later. <laughs> but what they all have in common is that it usually, in the old days, took a big vat of hot oil to deep fry them to a crunchy deliciousness. Right. Today, we're doing it all in the air fryer. Hi, I'm Bruce Weinstein. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and this is the podcast, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, and um, we're going to talk about air fryers today. We're not actually going to make anything, right? No, we're today just we're just going to talk about, about what they are, how you can use them, right. and how amazing And they are. I should say that we have an ulterior motive, and our ulterior motive is that we have a cookbook out on November 19th called The Essential Air Fryer Cookbook, and uh, we'll talk about this in a minute, but uh, we have become overrun with air fryers in our home. I've also fallen overwhelmingly in love with air fryers. Yeah. I should say that, you know, we wrote a few Instant Pot books, and we've written pressure cooker books, and we wrote a giant slow cooker book. I don't know how many recipes that thing had, five billion or something. Anyway, we wrote this giant uh, slow cooker book. And, you know, we get a lot of appliances from manufacturers to write these things. And, you know, we ended up with lots and lots of pressure cookers. And over time, a lot of them went away. But I will say this, because, you know, I mean, we kept them, but we didn't need 12. But I will say this, Bruce kept every single air fryer we ever got. Well, the air fryer is the it appliance. It is so, it's just amazing. So basically take a convection mm. oven, shrink it down to the size of a toaster oven, mm. put it on your counter. Mm. So now it's going to have super hot air mm-hmm. that circulates with a fan that's overheating coils that blows this 400 degree air over everything from French fries to Twinkies. Right. To give it all a super crispy, crunchy coating. It's an amazing thing. And we're already seeing a lot of people on social media using air fryers and, um, um, you know, posting their pictures of air fryers. But uh, there's a couple things that we just right from the beginning, I want to say up front. And that is A, not all air fryers are sized the same, right? No, they're not. Just like slow cookers and just like pressure cookers, they come in different sizes from, you know, two quarts to 10 quarts. Just like husbands. Sure. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So we actually address that in our book. So we've done that in our slow cooker book. We did that in our pressure cooker books. So it doesn't matter what size you buy. We give you the ingredients you need to make whatever the dish is in a small, medium, or large cooker. Right. And that was a bit of a problem for us, right, at first, because we realized that air fryers come in everything from, uh, well, there is actually now a 1.2-quart model out there. In which you can cook two French fries at once. Yeah, it's so small that we actually dumped it from the list. So we start at two and a half quarts, and we move up to infinity. Yeah. Um, from there and we sized every recipe for all of these various sizes of air fryers so i want to say also that people love them for a number of reasons the number one is it does make food healthier even fried twinkies it does because you're no longer heating up that vat of oil to deep fry it so it's as healthy as a twinkie can be well so let True me just enough. say the way you do that is I beat up egg whites, I roll the Twinkies around in egg whites, and then I roll them around in pulverized, crushed up ginger snaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. here's the trick. And I, 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 well, I want to say what it tastes like, but okay, what's I the trick? I spray it with a little bit of vegetable oil before it goes in the air fryer. That is almost consistent throughout all air frying recipes. Almost. It is not an oil-free component completely fat-free frying experience, but the difference between a teaspoon or so of oil that goes on all the food that's in there versus the gallons makes it healthier. Well, yeah, right. And um, those uh, ginger snap, crushed ginger snap cookie coated 
Twinkie bars. I can't even say that. <laughs> I think I wrote it in the book, but I can't say it. Anyway, um, they taste like these amazing cake donuts. That's what they end up with a warm like. cream filling. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they end up tasting like these amazing cake donuts that have a little cream filling. Um, I should say uh, also that in experimenting with air fryers, we we did learn this thing about the oil in them and how important. I mean, not in them, but in the food and how important that is to the final crunch. A lot of people, it seems like, are just shoving a pork chop in an air fryer. And it's not as successful. Let me say this about that. Um, If you bread a pork chop and you throw it in the air fryer without spraying it with oil, the bread's going to dry out. If it's a flour coating, it's just going to dry out and not get crispy and juicy. So you have to spray it with a little oil. But if you were just to season that pork chop and throw it in there, it will actually almost roast broil. As long as you're not using a bread coating, you don't have to add oil. If you're using a bread coating, you must use oil, and there are a few exceptions well, to that. you also said, and when we were testing the recipes, we also discovered this, and this is at a point that you constantly made, is that a lot of recipes are written um, so that you bread whatever you do, and then you put it in the air fryer and turn the air fryer on. And you told me that that often resulted in partial uh, problems with the coating of it blowing off, yep. essentially, in the hot wind. And so we, unlike almost all air fryer recipes out there, we actually ask that the machine be preheated preheated i use the words um heated. Mark, mark has a thing against preheated. i hate preheated why how do you preheat an oven do you, do you heat it before you heat <laughs> right, it right and yet i just said it um anyway we ask the machine be heated up to the proper temperature and then you put that thing in and that helps the coating immediately stabilize on twinkies on pork chops on chicken breasts on anything that you could possibly put in there so i said there was an exception to the spring and this this amazing recipe in the book <laughs> so i take boneless skinless chicken thighs and first I tried just coating them in panko and spraying them, and they were really good. They were delicious. And then I had this idea, well, the best fried chicken is fried in lard. Oh, so why not indeed. take a bag of chicharrones, which is the fried pork rind snacks, mm-hmm. grind them up in a food processor mm-hmm. with some panko, mm-hmm. coat the chicken thighs in a combination of ground-up pork rinds mm. you don't, and, and breadcrumbs, and then you do not need to spray those. Now... I have to say, when I was in the supermarket two days ago, in the gluten-free section, next to the gluten-free breadcrumbs, there was a container that said, gluten-free panko made with 100% ground pork rinds. Oh. So they're selling ground pork rinds. Yep. To be a replacement for panko. Okay, well, I think that... Um, that you don't I, have to spray those. <laughs> I, I so think that's bad. that's probably a weird thing. I mean, I can't believe that's everywhere. But. If you're interested in ground pork rinds already ground up as a panko replacement, they are available in the gluten-free section of the Stop and Shop in Winstead, Connecticut. Well, maybe. <laughs> I don't think those are everywhere, but I think I can say that. Grinding up chicharrones and with breadcrumbs and then coating this stuff in it and air frying it is amazing. Um, I think that it, there were a lot of surprises for us. I think that um, we were surprised at how well it did with smaller cuts like chicken thighs and chicken breasts, chicken wings, right? Uh, pork oh, tenderloin, yeah. those kind of things. The one thing that I can honestly say that the air fryer can't do, and it is a can't do, is it cannot do giant cuts of meat so really honestly it is not a tool for a brisket and it is not a tool for a lamb shoulder and it is not a a tool for a pork butt no it's not the tool for a big tough cut of meat that you would normally cook with moisture that you would braise now i know sometimes people would put a pork shoulder in the oven and just let it go um Uh, probably 
And if you like to do that, you, I suppose if you had a small enough one, it could go in the air fryer in a lower temperature and it could go forever, but it will, because of that superheated air, it will burn on the outside before right, it's tender enough. Right, so right. as Mark says, those tougher cuts of meat, especially those bigger, tougher cuts of meat, are not great in the air fryer. But I was surprised because I buy country-style pork ribs, and those are things that I thought wouldn't work, and they were amazing. Okay, but I will say that there is one thing you made, and you made it for me, for my southern self, and it is uh, it is a tougher cut of meat, and that is fried chicken gizzards. And I just want to say that those are super tough, and we had to handle those differently than almost anything else. I loved fried chicken gizzards, but that those actually were first boiled on the stove and then coated. Well, the amount of time it would take to get them tender in the air fryer um, would cause them to burn. So I found that boiling them first, and then you got this super, super intense crunch that was absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, these kind of things are absolutely spectacular in the air fryer because they add all this crunch um, that, you know, I mean, let's face it, I like the crunchy bits, and I like it when it is super crunchy. And it was this way to bring that about without having to fry things or even pan fry them in a lot of oil. Now, like we said... We discovered that uh, a little oil was necessary. And so Bruce bought a couple of spritzer bottles rather than use the aerosol cans. Okay, yes, I know, our liberal crunchy souls. Um, rather than use the aerosol cans, he bought spritzer bottles and he filled them with vegetable oil and olive oil and he spritzed the pieces that he worked with of, I, what, uh, name it, pork chops, chicken thighs, right? All that yeah, stuff. fish boys. Now, I bought two different colored sprayers so I knew which one had the vegetable oil and right. which one had the olive oil. There are pump sprays out there on, there the, on the supermarket shelves. Um, the only difference of filling your own is you know the quality of oil that's in it. You actually know what you put in it. And I should say that the one exception we made, we did make one exception, although we made this big plea in the book to not use aerosol sprays. Um, forgive us our politics and our leftist souls, but we made one plea in the book. I mean, we made the plea to not use aerosols, but there was one exception, and that was coconut oil. There's just really no way to do that in a spritzer bottle. There isn't, because coconut oil varies in quality and texture, and yep. for most people, the coconut oil you buy will range from super hard to thick and pasty, and it's not going to come through a sprayer. Right, right. But they do something with it in the cans that allow us. Remember to when we had a, a, a editor, oh God, this is a while ago, and I'm not naming any names, we had this editor who who absolutely freaked out when I told her that coconut oil was mostly solid at room temperature. Do you remember this? Yeah, she got very upset. She did, and because she couldn't believe that I was saying pack the coconut oil into measuring cups, you know, to measure it accurately. And she's like, she kept saying, you just pour it in. And I kept saying to her, that's not how coconut oil works. But I, I mean, this person, she didn't know much about cooking, yet she was a food editor at a New York publishing house. Mm. She was. She also, God, wait, and so now I'm going to talk about that for a second. She also changed all my recipes. I turned in this giant book, this gigantic 1,700-page manuscript. It was so big and full of so many cooking charts that it actually crashed my computer repeatedly to try to open it. So anyway, the long and the short is I finally turned this whole thing into pieces, and I, you know, everything I put was in volume uh, amounts. So like one cup of chopped onion, let's say. And she changed it all to one onion chopped or, 
She changed everything around so that it wasn't volume, but she didn't change the amounts. And I kept saying to her, but wait, one large onion chopped isn't the same as one cup of chopped onion. And, and I loved her response. Uh, it was, yeah, but it sounds better. Yeah, that was her, <laughs> that response. Was her response. Oh, my God. So, so in 700 recipes, Mark had to go through again and change it all back to what it was, it was based on the original manuscript. Oh, unbelievable. Um. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to the okay. air fryer anyway, because... Anyway. One of the things I love about it is leftovers. You can re-crisp, reheat, and re-crunchify sure. anything in minutes. That's right. If Let's say you had some leftover rotisserie chicken from the supermarket. Right. You could put it in the microwave, and in three minutes, it's soft Ugh. and warm Ugh. and steamy. And it has hot spots. Mm-hmm. Or you could put it in the air fryer, and in seven minutes... It's crunchy and sizzling and amazing. It's right. It's this great thing. If if you um, and listen, we live too rurally for takeout. But if you <laughs> live in a in a more urban spot than we live, um, you could uh, you can actually recrisp your takeout, especially like uh, let's say egg rolls or spring rolls, things that should be crunchy and then they show up at your doorstep and they're not exactly crunchy. Three to four minutes in the air fryer will bring it all back to perfection, right? It's- it will. It's great. And let me also say that if you're going to go out and get an air fryer, which I think you really want to do. Oh, definitely. You have to think about the size, as Mark said. They, we, we talked earlier. They come in different sizes. My suggestion is buy the biggest. Nothing will stop you from putting one breaded chicken breast in a big one. Right. But you will be stopped from putting four in a small one. I think that the only reason you don't buy a big one, in my opinion, is you don't have the space. You live in a small, let's say you live in Brooklyn, you have a small kitchen and you don't have a lot of space. It's impossible to buy the big 10 quart or eight quart because where are you going to put this thing? But if you live like we do in a country house or a suburban house or a larger space, Bruce is right. You can do one fish fillet in a giant air fryer. If you're just cooking for yourself. But if you're cooking for a lot of people, you can do four. But it's not just fish. You can make hand pies. You can make fish and chips. Mm. You can make donuts. Mm. You can do stuff that is super healthy and also super indulgent while still on the healthier side. And let me say also that one of the things that I was shocked about and that appear in the Essential Air Fryer book, our book, is... uh, breads like biscuits and uh ch- cheese straws you can and- bake basically mark is saying you could bake Right, because it's like having this unbelievably supercharged convection oven. And biscuits turn out so gorgeous when they're put in a pan in the air fryer because that hot air really makes the top nice and crunchy. And Mark said cheese straws. I took frozen puff pastry, cut it into strips, twisted it around, put cheese on it. I also did some with cinnamon and sugar. Right. And they puff up. They get crunchy. They are amazing. And they're done sooner than your big oven would even have heated to the proper temperature. That's right. So when you're looking for air fryers, look for the si- look for a larger size or the larger size that you can comfortably do. And also watch the temperature range on them. Some air fryers go up by 30 degree increments. Uh, let's say 300 degrees, 330, 360, 390, 420. Some of them go up in 10 degree increments. Uh, 300, 310, 320, 330, 340. 
40 through 50. So there's a wide range in how they go up. If you're if you're really persnickety, you want as many gradations up as possible. But uh, the book we wrote actually makes uh, allowances, right? For yeah, all we tell you, yeah, we like if I if ideally I wanted to cook to 375, but your machine is only 370, we tell you how to do it at 370. If I right. wanted 400 and your machine only does 390, we tell you what to do at 390. Right. So Mark is right. Look for a machine that gives you the most number of increments in temperature you can. Get one with the largest drawer space you can because that is probably going to be the most useful for you. And get one that fits your budget. And I got one more thing. Yep. There are two different kinds of air fryers out there. Bruce just reminded me. There are ones that have basically a drawer, as he Mm -hmm. said, that slips in and out of the basket. And then there are ones that look like souped up toaster ovens and they have racks inside of them that you put racks on um i'm not going to say which one we think is better but there's just two different types they i've tested recipes in both types to make sure they work in both types and they do there are even some new ones that look like the toads giant toaster oven but your racks come out and a tumbling basket goes yeah in. there it is. Um, so you get what you think um, aesthetically pleases you because it's something that's going to be on your counter. Right. Um, get one that's a larger size because I think that will be better for you. And get one that has the most temperature increments you can get because that'll be the best results for you. And one more thing. Get long-handled tongs. And preferably tongs that have non-stick surface coating on them. So a kind of plastic coating that won't stick non-stick surfaces. Because, let me tell you, that basket is 400 degrees. And when you pull it out of that machine, you can't just stick your hand in there and pick up the chicken or whatever. You wouldn't do it out of an oven. And you wouldn't do it out of a deep fryer. Right. So you you cannot (laughs) just reach in there and pick that thing up. You need tongs to be able to pick something up easily. And the reason I say that non-stick finish is because... A, the, the the basket has often got a nonstick coating finish on it, but more importantly, that little cushioning on the tongs helps preserve the crust. That is brilliant advice. So this is the first of a number of episodes we're going to do on air frying. Yay. The next one, we're actually going to air fry two different kinds of fried chicken. Um, so that'll be next on Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And until then, connect with us on social media. We are on Facebook under both our names, Bruce Weinstein and Mark Scarborough. We're on Instagram under Bruce A. Weinstein or Mark Scarborough. We're on Twitter under our own names. Uh, We would love to hear from you or check out our YouTube channel, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, in which we actually make some of the recipes that are made in this podcast, but in video form. So please subscribe to our YouTube channel, subscribe to this podcast, tell your friends about it. The more people that listen, the more fun we'll have.